it is said that there are three ways that we learn wisdom. The first is through reflection, which could be the noblest. The second could be through imitation, which we often find to be the easiest. And the third way is through experience, which unfortunately can become the bitterest. Regardless of how we gain our wisdom, the lessons learned only become embedded in our lives when we recognize the connection between wisdom and purpose. My guest today is Alan Dumasso. And Alan is on a mission to help you understand that that connection between wisdom and purpose is a journey that requires you to do the hard work, to unpack some uncomfortable stuff, uncomfortable stuff, which only the bravest of men will dive into. And would you say, what is the uncomfortable stuff? Well, Alan is going to share his story today about how he fought imposter syndrome, how he rebuilt his life after divorce, how he faced bankruptcy, and he restored his identity only after almost losing his second marriage. He also talks about his relationship with his son, who's incarcerated, and how he's building and rebuilding a relationship with him. Alan is going to help you embody life's experiences and your experiences into living with purposeful action. Powerful episode with Alan. He is also host of the Revolutionary Man podcast and founder of The Awakened Man in the Hero's Quest. This episode with Alan Dumasso on the Dad's Making Difference podcast starts right now. You are listening to the Dad's Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dad's Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Alan, welcome to the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. Great to see you this morning. Hey, Cam, great to see you, my friend. Thanks for having me on the show. Man, I always love having an opportunity to talk to a fellow Canadian. There's so many people out there who are doing great work, and I find that so much of it is coming out of the United States. But when I came across your work, I thought, this guy's in Winnipeg, man. Like, I got to connect with him. Super excited. So we will try not to drop a lot of A's in this, but it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, eh? Yeah. So Alan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, we're going to dive into the Awakened Man and the work that you're doing. I think it's fantastic. Uh, we'll get there, but give us a little background about who you are, uh, what maybe life was like for you and what inspired you to be a guy who's championing fathers and, and dads right now. Man, that's a that's a whole hero's journey on there. So I'll try not to chew up the whole episode with my story, but I'll just, I'll just start by this. I, I grew up in a small town in Saskatchewan, in Esterhazy, a mining town. And every day I would run home from school and I used to love to watch the cooking show. It was Graham Kerr and he had the Galloping Gourmet cooking show. And I just loved that. He was always making these fancy French dishes and it really inspired me. And so when I graduated from high school, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a chef. And so Fast forward a few years and, you know, my chef instructor was able to get me hooked up with, with a member who was on the Manitoba culinary team. Now, you got to remember, this is way before there was, you know, food TV and Bobby Flay. And so I competed in the Culinary Olympics in 1992 and won a couple of silver medals. And it was so much fun and so exciting. But, you know, on the one side of that, of that my business life was so powerful that it really ended up by happening is it like cost me my personal life. I had married my high school sweethearts. And, and at the time when coming not long after the Olympics, 
ended up by losing my marriage and actually losing everything, bankruptcy, divorce, the whole, whole King Kaboul just burned it to the ground. And uh, it was, it's been a 25 plus year journey of recovery and redemption from that, that time on and led me up to just a few years ago and things that I thought I had learned, I truly hadn't implemented. And maybe we'll get into that a little bit later, but I uh, just about lost my second marriage and was only through the grace of my wife to see the man inside of me that I yet had to discover and really reveal that gave me an opportunity to truly do the work. And in a short period of time between, and when that happened, my father-in-law passed away and he was like my best friend and he's a huge New York Yankees fan. I'm a big Montreal Canadiens fan. And so we'd always have the big battle over, okay, who had the most championships? And at the time, of course, the Habs did. And, and then Jeter went and won two and put, it, put him over the top. And But when he passed away, it was like I lost a big part of me. Mm. And, uh, and so I started looking for help. I started looking for places where I could go and did some grief counseling and did some of that work. But I always felt uncomfortable because I was in a room with, I'd be the only guy. And I wasn't, I didn't feel safe enough to be able to share and express the challenges that I was facing. And so when I recognized that there was this void, I started doing some searching on the internet. And there's a few things that was going on, you know, a few years ago, half a dozen years ago or so that, that uh, men's work was starting to get more and more popular. Or at least I was starting to discover it. And I recognized that there was something that needed to happen here in, in Winnipeg and here in Canada. And so I started doing men's work. Mm-hmm. And I did that just prior to the pandemic. And, you know, then we had to pivot to online. And then now moving into the sphere of podcasting, I get an opportunity to find other folks such as yourself, Cam, who are doing some amazing work as well. And I just feel it's such a needed space for men to be able to find a place where they can feel safe, be, be away from shame, blame, and, and any type of uh, judgment. And that way they have opportunity to grow. So that's really the the Cole's note, so to speak, of my, of my history. No, I love it. Thank you for sharing. I want to dive into some of the things you said. Culinary Olympics first. That That's pretty incredible, but it sounds like that drew a lot of your attention. And I think with men, sometimes we have difficulty in balancing attention and intention. And when you're looking at that and the impact that your attention to the Culinary Olympics had on your life, what intention do you have right now ensuring that other men in their life put attention in the right spots? That's a great question. So one of the things that, you know, and you're great for picking that up. So one of the things that I do with my guys and the first thing that we look at is I put them through what I call an integrity challenge. Mm. And we look at these six different pillars and the pillars are financial, emotional, physical, spiritual, professional, and we're in our relationships. And there's a half a dozen or so questions in each one of those. And they give them an opportunity to self-evaluate where they're at. And ultimately they give themselves a score and they can see real quickly at a glance, their, their intention is set because it'll generally be the higher, higher scores and where they're lacking mm. of attention. And that was a key piece for me because while I was so successful in business, I took my family for granted. I took my relationships for granted. And so it cost me dearly. Not, and some of that was also professionally as, as my life started to unravel that some, even some of my colleagues, you know, were more child, more difficult to be able to be in touch with because I think they were uncomfortable as well. Most of the, uh, most of the chefs that I worked with, virtually all the chefs I worked with were male, more and more females are starting to step into that realm. And it's a great, it's a great practice for folks to get involved in. But the challenge with it at the time is, I hadn't put any effort, 
any attention in these other in these other five spheres. And so, once that was recognized, then the gentlemen that do work with us, they know now where they need to start to put some more attention. So it's it's an opportunity for them to really dive into their whole life as opposed to the one aspect the way that they, they typically define themselves, which is usually through their work or their profession. When you're going through that integrity challenge and you're going through those pillars, are there consistencies within men? Like, are there ones that really stand out to you more often? What are you hearing from men right now? Because I know in some of the conversations that I'm having, there's some running themes I think that have to do with professionalism, uh, masculinity, fatherhood, marriage. There's always themes. But when you're speaking with men, out of the pillars that you shared, are there ones that kind of rise to the top more often? Yeah, I would say the relationships one is definitely rising more. is is probably one of the top. If I was to look at it to measure them, a top uh, percentage and or in in order of priority, it would be relationships, spiritual, physical, spiritual and physical will flip in between there, uh, and then get into emotional, and they're not that far apart. And ultimately, it's going to be their professional and financial will be. The ones that have are the the ones that need the least amount of work because it t- tends to be where they're putting their focus. But the problem with that whole scenario is that when we have such a lack of attention, especially in our relationships and from a spiritual perspective, we have no grounding, mm. and so we tend to be we tend to be more of doers, and that's just nature of men. And you know, we're really we're really built to fix things, get things done, participate in in different activities. But we do have, but do we have any purpose behind it? Is there really any intention other than I just kind of get this done? And uh, when guys recognize that the the challenges they're having, that may also be showing up in things like their profession, and their and in their physical uh, life, that it's because of the how they're how they lack the attention and the clarity on exactly what their purpose and mission is in life. You said guys are doers, man. This is. So true. Guys will feel like they have to go all in to complete something. And I think they get distracted from the things that really matter. Uh, I don't know if this is consistent with, with what you have heard, but I will often hear, I'm doing this because of my family. I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for my kids. And it doesn't take long for men to shift from, I'm doing this for my family to I'm doing this for myself, but saying I'm doing this for my family. Do you see the same? Yeah, you know how that shows up for us is the other thing that we take our guys through is I take them through a values assessment mm. process. And so one of the things I've, I've found, especially for me, and I'm finding more and more with men is that just as you were alluding to, we say we value that we're doing these things for my family. But as and that's a that's a kind of a value statement. But our actions show that we're really doing it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because what is the part of it for my family? How does me working four more hours in the day or whatever it is that we're doing or working the extra Saturday and, and spending this, how is that do, how is that doing more for the family? And because we haven't built the relationship and the connection with our families, we're, we find that we're totally disconnected. And so I asked the guys to go through a values assessment where they get an opportunity to go through, there's a hundred and odd some adjectives for them to pick and they go through a little sorting exercise they pick five of them and then they write a statement a purpose statement out of that and the intention of it is to write that intention is then to uh, then i ask them so what are your how are your actions showing up that demonstrate that this is your purpose and this is your and this is what you truly value 
And what we find is more often than not is that they are in dis they are in a not in alignment with it, that their actions are showing things differently. And that's not totally a bad thing. It's great to have some awareness because now they, they can recognize, okay, I said, I'm writing this down. I'm saying this is what I value, but I'm doing something different. So then the conversation is, well, how could you be that value statement? Yeah. What do you need to, because yeah. we're guides, what do you need to do to become that, that value statement? And that shifts their perspective. They're thinking about how it is that they're showing up in life. What are the ways that I need to be? How do I, I ask them to complete the sentence. There's, I'm the kind of man who, mm. and what is that? Whatever you finish after that. And when you complete that sentence, that's about a statement of being, not a statement of doing. Yeah. And so getting us to shift because we're so hardwired to well, do everything. And even in this conversation, how much I'm using the word do, do, because it's still, it's so innate in us, but it's a coming from a perspective of, doing to become and becoming it versus doing something just for the sake of doing it. I love it, man. There's so much there that I want to unpack. Cause that's good. You talked about real quick mission and values and you go through this and you help guys outline this. Um, I know in our family, one of the turning points for us, our kids were quite young. My, my kids are 11 and nine right now, but they were quite young when we did this. I think they were two and four. And we came up with a family mission statement a family value statement and it's up on our wall. It's love beyond these walls. And it's a filter for what we use for our conversations as a family, but not often will men put the work in to get clear on their own mission, to get clear on their own vision. And I love that you help guys do that because in your journey, you pointed to a moment in time where it wasn't until you were able to do the deep work, the internal work, that your wife got to see the man who you really were on the inside. And you you kind of alluded to this fact that you were wearing this shell, that you were hiding who you really were. You are putting maybe on this persona, maybe this image that so many men put on, but you had to do the deep work first for her to be able to see that. And it saved your marriage, right? Absolutely. And, you know, and, and I was, you know, speaking with somebody the other day about this very same topic. And I said, don't, when I, when I tell you that story, uh, please understand that at any given moment, my wife could have decided that this was too much for her to bear. Mm. Because as I was doing my work, she was also getting, being challenged by her friends saying, why would you stay with this guy? Like, wow. get rid of him. And she didn't want to be a statistic. She wanted to she recognized that, that there was more to me than, than meets the eye, that I was just this, I had this facade of who I said I was. And I can remember my wife's name is Kim and just challenged me saying, you've taken all the courses, Al, you've read all the books. Yeah. Why aren't you practicing it? Mm. And boy, I got to tell you, when, uh, when, when, she, when she hit me with that, it was, you know, what a, what a way for us to just pull the veil off of, off of all this hiding that we're doing. And so every day I had to ensure that I was doing my work, doing something towards it, you know, making sure that we had regular check-ins and continue to do that today in terms of, you know, where we're at as a couple. And we used to do that type of thing in the early days when we were first uh, seeing each other, but we brought that back. And I have to tell you that today, Cam, what was, what used to be prior to all of this, that, that couple, that marriage is gone. There's a new foundation. And I truly believe that. I think when we try to rebuild 
a home and you think about it as a nice talk about life being like burnt to the ground. Yeah. Do you want to fix a half burnt house mm-hmm. or do you want to start over and build it fresh with a solid foundation, a solid structure? And my feeling is, is burn it. If it's burnt to the ground or it's partially burnt, just start over, fix it, fix it all and, and be completely vulnerable as much as you can. And that was really where the work was for me that when I say about work it was really about being vulnerable and letting my wife know what, how I was feeling about things. And for guys, that's really difficult because we're used to being having lots of rejection. We're used to having that from kids and think about in sports. I don't know about you and your, in your youth, but I know for my youth, we were always cutting each other down and giving each other a hard time. And sometimes that was a tough pill to swallow, especially if you knew it was from you know, one of the better players on the team and you're trying to fit in, you're trying to get there. And then as we get older and in our, in our careers, you know, that type of competitive environment, you know, still sits with us. And then think about in the dating scene, yeah. how challenging it is and for guys to, to be rejected. Let's face it, we get chosen, we don't choose. And so what kind of fortitude <laughs> yeah. do we have yeah. to be able to know truly who we are and be solid in our, in our masculinity? I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit, but that's really when I talk about, you know, that rebuild, it's really about at any given moment, this wasn't a, this wasn't a cakewalk for her or for me. And we both had to be willing to lean into that every day, you know, and by the grace of God, my wife was able to do that and allow that to happen. Yeah. Amazing. You know, I love that metaphor of, you know, a half burnt house you know, knock it down, start over with a strong foundation. And you mentioned doing the work. And when I think about work, the word work, I think it's work is something that we do for someone else. But in order for us to do that work, we need to be able to have the skills. We need to be able to have the intentions. And so to use that metaphor of building this house, Yeah, the work is building the strong foundation. The work is rebuilding this relationship. That is the work that I am consciously doing for myself, but for my wife, for my kids, for my family. But you need to be able to have the skills. Like the carpenter, the framer in that house, if he doesn't know how to frame, you're not going to build a very strong house. So you need to be able to do the work and have the skills. And this goes back to what you were saying about, I'm the kind of man who, and moves from doing, to being because yeah. now you turn it from doing something for someone else to doing something for yourself, but you realize everybody benefits. And that's why I love that. Like, you have the 12 virtues on your website and I love it. And I read through it. And I'm like, here are some of the things that men just need to come to grips with and make sure that they're doing the work and doing what they're saying they're doing. And you said this, I say this to my guys, do your actions meet your expectations is mm-hmm. what you're wanting is what you expect are your actions going to get you there? And if not, you need to get very real. You need to be internal. And a lot of these guys need help doing that. And I'm so glad that you help men do that work. Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men, to be dads making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives and then turn around and do the deep work 
to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind, and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show. Um, right now, I, I got to ask you, you, you've talked a lot about like your marriage and your development as, as a husband, but you're also a dad. Yeah. And so in your journey in working with men and through this process, how has that helped shape you to be a better father? Now, that's a great question. I got to tell you, I've made so many mistakes at being a father. I can tell, and I'll, and I'll go back and, and really, this is how I, how I help men. I, if I was to sum it up in one word, it would be connection, mm. get connected, be interested in, in your kid's journey. Because I wasn't, when my wife and I, my first wife and I split, the boys were three and five, or two and five, give or take. And so all they knew is that, you know, dad worked lots. Mm -hmm. And so I was never around. And because there was so, it was so difficult for me. And I, you know, as I look back, it was really a piece of about two years worth of, you know, depression for me, trying to rebuild my life and not feeling worthy that I hardly spent any time with either of my boys. It would be sporadic every other month or so. And it would be for a couple of days. I was living in a, in a bachelor suite. And I just, I had all these stories I was telling myself, ah, oh, my boys don't want to come and, you know, stay with dad. They got to sleep on the floor. I don't have anything. And the truth of the matter is, is they would have slept on, out in the woods. Yeah. They didn't care. They just wanted to spend time with dad, but I wasn't there to mentally, I wasn't there to understand that. And so my mission today with guys that, are, that have children is don't make that mistake. Just don't think that, don't think for your kids that they that they don't want to be spending time with you. They love you unconditionally. But by the choices that we make will create the type of environment. I think back to the song Cats in the Cradle, and it's so reminiscent of my life that that's how my kids have turned out. That, you know, my oldest son, you know, he really struggles with making healthy choices or with drugs and alcohol. And, you know, he's been in and out of uh, out of incarceration since he's been 16, 15 and a half or so. And today he's still incarcerated. And my heart breaks for him because I wasn't the kind of father that was present enough to be there with him. He's so angry at life. He's so angry with, with me about how life is. And so the hill now that I have to climb to be able to repair that relationship is a very steep hill, but it's worth, but it's worth the battle for him. It's worth to be there and spend and, and be as, as present as I can. It doesn't mean that him and I have great conversations all the time, or, you know, he's willing to listen to me, but we get, he knows that the door is open and that I have unconditional love for him. I don't agree with the lifestyle choices, but for him, I have unconditional love. And so my work for men really is about make sure that your actions match your values and match what it is that you're doing with your family, because when that gets broken, it's almost insurmountable to repair. There's no going back to, to fix that. As we can rebuild a, as we can rebuild a, a marriage, unfortunately, I, in my experience so far with my son, it's going to take time because he's, ch he's chosen a lifestyle that makes it very difficult for him to get out of his darkness and for him to be able to, 
to come forward. And so all really I can do is sit there with open arms, ready for him when he's ready to, to make that next change. Thank you for sharing. Man, we wear a lot as dads, hey? We, we have a lot on our shoulders. As men, we have a lot of responsibility. And I think there's a lot of times as men where we wear a lot of the responsibility for the choices of others and the things that happen, maybe in situations where we don't hold the whole responsibility. Yeah. And I appreciate your vulnerability in talking about your son and saying, I love him. We're working on this relationship. Like These are choices that he has made. And, and, you know, while I don't agree with it, I am there for him with open arms. And I think there's times we've had other guys on this show who will feel some responsibility for where their sons, their daughters have gone in their lives. And then they come to realize that, you know what? Yeah, I had a role to play, but I can't change what's done. It's the work I do now that matters. And so I appreciate that you dove in, you were vulnerable, and you, you shared about some of the work that you're doing. Um, thank you. Thank you, Alan. Yeah, I appreciate that. And you're absolutely right. I think there was a long period of time, and even to, to this day, there are times I still own more than I need to with that relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be natural for, for fathers. But there is that distinction. You're absolutely right. At some point, it's a, I have to allow him to make his life choices and just be there. Uh, that doesn't mean, mean that it's easy. Yeah. As it sure isn't, but uh, it's it's better than having, for my in my opinion, anyways, it's better to be have a, a an open opportunity for him to come because when I do the work that I've done in looking at, you know, addiction and how that happens, a lot of that comes from abandonment. And what happened at five? Did he was did he was he able to really internalize and understand abandonment? I don't know. Maybe it happened at at fifteen or fourteen when his mom and and his stepdad split or the different pieces that were at play. But the point of the matter here is I want my research recognizes that abandonment is one of those key pieces that normally shows up. And so he needs to know that he's never alone, not walking this path alone, whether that, whether he chooses to do that with me or with something greater, that's his, that's his choice, but that he knows that he's not alone on this journey. Yeah. Well said, well said, good word. All right. So now you work with men. What was the impetus for you to start this work? Because you mentioned that you were finding success in business. You went through your own experiences in your marriage and in your family, obviously uh, some pretty impactful experiences in your family. Now, what was like that driving force, maybe that spark that you said, now I want to work with men because I can see that I don't have it all figured out. You said that I didn't have it figured out and I've worked through it and I want to help other guys do it. What was the turning point for you? Yeah, I think really that turning point was recognizing that I, I it just dawned on me that I can't be the only guy going through this. Mm. And there's nowhere for guys to go and 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 share. And I have a couple of really close friends. And, and when I was going through all of this stuff, they just didn't know how to help. They didn't know that, that there was some there was a bit of time where they shunned any and shunned me for a while. And they just didn't want to have anything to do with with the relationship, especially as my wife and I were, were rebuilding ours and they weren't sure which way it was going to go. And, and then when my father-in-law passed, it was another piece where they just, they didn't know how to, re- how to respond. And so when I recognized that I know what I was going through and how painful it was, I need, I need to do something about this. Men can't be doing this all alone. There's enough 
we have enough of this lone wolf syndrome that we just need to step into a place where we can feel safe and secure. And to be honest with you, I don't know if you're going to put this on uh, on uh, YouTube or anything, but yeah. the book that really uh, that really changed everything for me was Backbone by by David Wagner, and he talks about here about his journey and going through drugs and addiction and then doing men's work. And I and when I picked this up, I, you know, intuition just I like to trust my intuition, and this book was just staring me in the face to pick me up, pick me up, and I and I bought it. I just knew, oh, that's how to do it. Start a men's group because I knew that there needed to be something. I just didn't know the framework or how to put it together, and that was really the the catalyst of how to start to put this structure together to have bring guys together so that they can have opportunity to share and grow. And since since starting it, it's really evolved to becoming more so of a helping us really drive our mission in shorter periods of time, because ultimately it's about helping them lead to an overall destiny, what they ultimately become at the end of our journey. And so it's really evolved from that, but that was the catalyst. Yeah. I have a selfish question for you because I honestly believe sometimes it's best just to call it out, right? Just to call out. And as one guy who coaches with men to another guy who coaches with men, I have to be honest that there's a lot of frustration on my part at times with men who put up barriers and make excuses so they don't have to do the work. And so what are some of the stuff the guys listening to this right now, there is someone listening to this right now who needs a connection, who needs a group, whether it's through the awakened man or dad's made difference or some other group. I, it doesn't matter to me, but they cannot do this alone. There's a quote that was shared with me along. A lone wolf never survives, right? You need to be part of a path. What are some of the things you're seeing, Alan, right now, or the things that are coming from men? Maybe it's excuses. Maybe it's some comments. Maybe it's a barrier that men are facing that are holding them back from jumping into something that I believe you believe and I believe will help them. And let's just call it out to the guys who are listening right now who might be going through this. Yeah, I would say first off, it's it's the story that they've told themselves that, hey, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. My life isn't that bad. And what ends up by happening is, or you know, I'll deal with that later. Whatever framework they want to put around that. I'm going to tell you that's that's the piece that ultimately almost cost me my my marriage. Mm-hmm. Because there wasn't there wasn't anything I was willing to fight for. And so, and, you know, guys come to me for different reasons, depending on what, what we're working on lately, this is past year, lots of guys have been coming, it's been focused totally on relationships, help them with that, the relationship starts to turn around, and then guess what, boom, they're MIA, they're not coming to, they're not showing up to the monthly uh, meeting, they're not coming into, they're not logging into the membership site and, and doing, answering any of the questions or doing any of the lesson plan work. And then I sit there and go, well, I guess their life is good enough. But the relationship problem is is the symptom of something much greater that's going on for them. And I'm finding that, guys, and I find this with myself even to this day, and that's why I say my work is not a guru program. This year, I've just been on a path, and I've experienced a few things, and maybe I can provide, provide you with a couple of ideas. Hey, don't step on that landmine. It's right there. Try not to do that. They're up there for it's up there for for them to consider. But it really boils down to their uh, self-sabotage. And that's and self-sabotage happens because they have a limiting belief about what's true, what they're truly capable of doing. 
And we do spend some time with that work as well. And ultimately in our first, in our first module, I call return of the King and it takes them through a bunch of stuff. So that's where a lot of our values work. We go through the King warrior lover archetype stuff as well. And then limiting beliefs and ultimately crafting a, a purpose statement. And the reason why I challenge them to do that work is they really get to unpack all parts of their, of themselves. But the guys that tend to show up for a while and then drift off, it's because they think that life isn't bad enough yet. They think, yeah. oh, it's just good enough. I'm, I, I fix the relationship so everything's okay. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because when you, when you think that way, there's much more going on for you than that because there's a pattern that you've been repeating and it's likely showing up in other areas of your life. And do you just want to be good enough? Yeah. Like I think I had a mentor years ago and he said, his quote was, beware of a lollipop of mediocrity, one lick and you suck forever. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just, you know, like this is 25 years ago and I just have never forgot. That. And it's so true because that's how we live our lives. Yeah. Oh, it's good enough. So I guess I'll stop. Uh, it's just, it's a sad way to, sad way to live. I agree. I'm glad you drew attention to that because good enough is not good enough. And I think for men who really want to make an impact in their lives, you know, our, our podcast is called Dads Making a Difference. If you really want to make a difference and live a life of significance, good enough is never good enough. Yeah. And self-sabotage, I'm also glad that you said that because guys get defensive when you call them on that. And when you say, hey, man, I think you're making excuses. I think you're distracting yourself with things that aren't important. I think you're looking at the 2% instead of the 10%. I think you're holding yourself back and you don't realize you do it. And then they get defensive. And then it takes some reminder to say, listen, this is why I'm here. To yeah. point out the blind spots. To point out, like you said, the landmines that I've experienced in my life or other men in this group have experienced so that you don't do the same. You need to trust enough to know that we care about you but you're sabotaging yourself because good enough is not good enough. So I love yeah. that. Thank you for sharing that. Man, Alan, you got so, there's so much value in this. I, I want to go back. I always listen back to the episodes because in this conversation, I, like I love the flow of it, but I always learn more when I listen back to it. Uh, as a dad right now, what are you learning? As a husband, what are you learning? What are you diving into? What's an area of growth that you're excited about? Yeah, I know for me, the area of growth really that I'm totally excited about is really deepening my connection, deepening my connection with my wife and my kids. Mm -hmm. And even though, you know, so I have two boys, they're in their, uh, man, boy, I'm getting old, man, Cam, I'm, they're in their 30s now. And, uh, but deepening the connection. And what do I mean by that? One of the things that I'm really, I recognize that I'm really poor at is reaching out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so my, my youngest son, he he's you know early 30s how does he like to communicate through messenger yeah and so here it would be me trying to call him and he doesn't answer and then i'd be upset because he's not he's not answering but guess what when i send him a messenger message or a text message boom i get a response yeah so i'm learning that in order to, for me to connect with him then i need to communicate meet him where he's at and so i'm really excited about being able to grow and develop that relationship even more and then with my and then with my wife as we're as we continue to work on our stuff is really having deeper conversations and so I'm getting more comfortable now of really being vulnerable with her and I you know here we are you're talking about me being vulnerable but I find it easier to be vulnerable with yourself because guess what the the stakes don't feel as high right right but with our wives you know she could crush my heart am I willing to take that risk 
Mm-hmm. And today I'm more often, I'm more willing to say yes, because I know she's not going to crush it. Uh, but it's my fear. It's my, it's the work I still have to do. And it's, and so that's what I'm really excited about doing is really deepening the connection with, with my children and with my wife. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. It is easier to be vulnerable. And I think that's a power of a man's group too, whether it's a man's group or a coaching program or a mastermind group, is that sometimes it is easier to be vulnerable with other men because the stakes aren't as high. The really turn the real turning point, I'm sure you've seen this in your group is that, when the stakes become high, how powerful that is and how it primes us to do the work with the ones who are closest to us, with our wives, with our kids. So thank you for sharing. Alan, uh, I've learned so much from you. I love these conversations. If other men want to learn more about you, learn from you, uh, get into your podcast, your work, where can they do that? Yeah, the best way to reach me is go to theawakenedman.net. On that, when you log into our page or you pull up the page, the first thing you're going to see is a pop-up screen. A pop-up screen right now, I have a reflection exercise. It's called Setting the Compass. Put in your email, your first name and your email address in there. You're going to get a great PDF in there. It'll give you opportunity to several questions on to look at how 2023 transpired for you. Then give you an opportunity to write your own headline. If you were to write your headline for 2023, what would that say? Then similarly, what are the things that you want to become in 2024, write that headline for yourself. And then I have a little, a little visioning exercise to round it all out to give you an opportunity to really sink in and deepen that experience. And so just go to theawakenman.net and download that, uh, that tool. Excellent. And your podcast, the Revolutionary Man podcast on all platforms as well? Everywhere that you can find a podcast, that's where, that's where you'll find it. Amazing. Alan, I appreciate you. Thank you for taking time away from your family to spend with us today. We've learned so much from you and I wish you all the best uh, as you move forward in your mission. Thanks so much and keep up the great work, Cam. Looking forward to us collaborating in the future. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And if you are a father listening to this right now who is driven to build a life of significance, to truly make a difference in the life of your family, in your business, and in the community around you, go to dmdmastermind.com to learn more about the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. A mastermind group for fathers that provides men with the skills, the connections, the accountability, the proven steps, and the brotherhood to truly become a dad making a difference. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today, and I will see you on the next episode of the DMD Podcast.